सत रियल एंड असत अनरियल कृष्णा सेस सत रियलिटी परमिनेंस नेवर सीजेस टू बी एंड असत अनरियल इम्परमिनेंस हैज नो एग्जिस्टेंस ए ज्ञानी इज वन हु कैन डिस्टिंग्विश बिटवीन द टू The rope and snake analogy is often quoted in many cultures to understand the intricacies of sat and asat. A man reached back home at dusk and found a snake coiled at the entrance of his home. But in reality it was a rope left by children. that looked like a snake in the semi darkness here the rope signifies sat and the snake asat until he realizes sat that is the rope he is likely to adopt many strategies to handle asat that is imagined snake he could attack it with a stick fight run away flight or he try to light a torch to check out the reality the best strategies and skills would go in vain when our perception is that of asat asat derives its existence from sat just as the snake does not exist without the rope since asat owes its existence to sat it can influence us like a nightmare which can make our body react as if it were sweating in sleep a litmus test given by krishna to identify asat is that which didn't exist in the past and wouldn't be there in the future if we take the example of sensual pleasure it wasn't there before and wouldn't be there after some time the same is the case with pain and for that matter all polarities the indication is that asat exists in time whereas sat is eternal the sat is the inner self which is eternal and ahankar is asat which sustains itself with the support of the inner self the day we discover our inner self rope the ahankar snake automatically disappears next in the series is creativity creates not creator creativity creates not creator dwelling further on sat 
real permanence and asat unreal impermanence krishna tells us to contemplate on that which is indestructible and which pervades all the popular and easy understanding about creation is that it is the work of a creator but krishna points towards creativity which is a constant evolutionary force for example it causes sprouting from seeds the sprout and the seed both creations can be destroyed but not creativity which is at work tirelessly and pervades all around while the creation is bound by time creativity is beyond time creation takes birth and ceases to exist after death whereas creativity is indestructible creativity is the real karta in the sense that it engenders creation it creates feelings and emotions it creates physical forms like our body and mind knowledge and memory are always of past and creation karma phal is in the future creativity always happens in the present creativity is the ability to use knowledge and wisdom to absorb the pleasant and unpleasant sensations perceived by senses and react independent of them our senses are only capable of sensing creation and one needs to transcend them to realize creativity one can align with it through realization but it can never be owned the best moment of joy is when we are aligned with creativity be it in our profession or in our personal lives for a karma yogi this is easily attained with mastery of a skill while our real nature is creativity we usually try to identify ourselves with creation this false identification with creation gives us illusion of karta and is the source of ahankar the moment we identify with creativity we can see creativity all around to do this krishna tells us to see others in ourselves and ourselves in others and finally to see him in everything and everywhere next in the series is death does not kill us
death does not kill us krishna tells arjun there is no time past present or future when you i and these rulers on the battlefield are not present he further adds that the material side of the indestructible eternal living entity is certain to perish and therefore the battle ahead must be fought this eternal living entity is known by many names such as atma chaitanya soul and consciousness krishna refers to the same as dehi krishna starts with the essence of creation and speaks of a living entity which is indestructible immeasurable pervades all and is eternal secondly the same eternal entity has a material side which invariably perishes when krishna mentions about the rulers he is referring to that living entity in them which is indestructible and eternal essentially we are made up of two parts body and mind which would invariably perish they are subjected to polarities of pleasure and pain and arjuna is going through that pain second part is dehi which is eternal krishna's emphasis is to realize this and stop identifying with body and mind asat and start identifying with dehi sat buddhatva enlightenment is when identification itself drops which is an experience and can't be explained in words the part of the gita where krishna tells arjun to fight is the most difficult part to understand some say that the kurukshetra war never took place and is only a metaphorical representation of our everyday struggles it is unlikely that the war would have come to an end by arjun's withdrawal from it krishna advocates facing battles armed with weapons of awakening and realization krishna knows that with ahankar aham karta arjun will be a permanent slave to despondency even if he withdraws from the war krishna therefore tell him to realize sat and fight the battle next in the series is creativity cannot be destroyed
creativity cannot be destroyed two types of wise men have guided humanity in its quest to understand the inner self one approaches from the positive side and another from negative though the destination remains the same in both cases the difference lies in the starting point of the journey and our choice of path depends on our nature the positively oriented describes that which is indestructible eternal stable and pervades all as complete and to which nothing can be added creativity is a metaphor for it the negatively oriented describes that which is indestructible eternal stable and pervades all as empty and from which nothing can be removed space is a metaphor for it in any case both creativity and space are capable of having creation material manifestation it is easy to intuitively understand that creativity brings about creation on the other hand science came to conclusion that the universe was created out of emptiness and space has the power to bring this universe into existence space is all pervasive starting from the smallest atom to the mighty universe krishna says in the often quoted verse that dehi soul cannot be burned by fire weapons can't cleave it water cannot dissolve it wind can't wither it can a weapon destroy space or creativity certainly not at best it can transform the physical manifestation of creativity similarly fire can neither destroy creativity nor space its ability power is limited to turning wood into ash and both are material physical forms water too cannot dissolve creativity or space similarly wind has neither the power nor the skills to wither them creativity can bring creation into existence but creation doesn't have power to affect creativity the important thing is the direction clouds come and go in the sky but they can't influence sky next in the series is balance is bliss
balance is bliss at the very beginning of the gita krishna says that the meeting of the indriyas senses with the external objects causes polarities of pleasure and pain he tells arjun to learn to tolerate them as they are transient in the contemporary world this is expressed as this too shall pass if this is inculcated at experiential level we can transcend these polarities to find them equally acceptable there are five indriyas namely vision hearing smell taste and touch their corresponding physical parts are eyes ears nose tongue and skin the sensory parts are those parts of the brain which process the physical inputs of these respective organs however these sense instruments have a lot of limitations for example the eye it can only process a particular frequency of light which we call visible light secondly it can't process more than 15 images per second and this is the basis for the creation of videos and movies giving us the pleasure of screen watching thirdly it requires a minimum amount of light to be able to view an object these limitations of indriyas hinder our ability to differentiate between the sat permanent and the asat impermanent and make us perceive the rope as a coiled snake even the sensory part of these instruments in the brain are handicapped by the limitations of these instruments secondly they suffer from the fine tuning done to them especially during the childhood which is termed as hardwiring this results in motivated perception to see what we want to see and hear what we want to hear this inability to see sat and the tendency to gravitate towards asat results in misery krishna says that when we maintain a balance during the onslaught of the polarities of pleasure and pain we are eligible for the amrut moksha which is liberation here and now next in the series is soul is unmanifested
soul is unmanifested krishna tells arjun that this atma soul is said to be unmanifested inconceivable and unchangeable once you are aware of this there is no need to grieve for the physical body krishna further says that all the beings are unmanifest before their birth they manifest between their birth and death and once again unmanifest after their death many cultures use ocean and wave analogy to explain the same the ocean represents unmanifest and wave represents manifest wave arises from the ocean for some period of time and they manifest in different sizes shapes and intensities our indriyas senses can only sense the manifest that is waves finally waves merge back into the ocean from where they arose similarly a seed holds the potential to grow into a tree in the seed the tree is present in its unmanifested form it becomes manifested when it starts growing into a tree it ultimately dies after producing many seeds manifested is that which indriyas with their limited capabilities can sense even the scientific instruments are for the enhancement of the capabilities of our indriyas microscope telescope is to enhance the ability of our eyes to magnify x-ray machine is to enable eyes to see things in different frequencies of light krishna says this unmanifest is inconceivable which means that our indriyas even aided by scientific instruments won't help us to perceive this the mind is incapable of conceiving this unmanifest as the mind is a combination of indriyas like all of us arjun identifies himself with the human body as he has no realization or experience beyond that krishna tries to bring about a paradigm shift in arjun's thinking by enlightening him about the unmanifested it took the lord himself to make a scholar like arjun understand this and we are no exception next in the series is soul replaces old bodies soul replaces old bodies 
Krishna says that Atma neither kills nor is killed and only the ignorant think otherwise. It is unborn, eternal, changeless and ancient. He further says that Atma changes physical bodies like we discard old clothes to wear new ones. In a scientific context, this is well explained by the law of conservation of energy and the principle of interconvertibility of mass and energy. If Atma is equated with energy, Lord Krishna's words become crystal clear. The law of conservation of energy says that energy can never be destroyed but can only be converted from one form to another. For example, thermal power stations convert thermal energy into electricity. A bulb converts electricity into light. So, it is just conversion and there is no destruction. A bulb has a limited time span. When it fuses, it is replaced by new bulb. But electricity still remains. This is similar to the way in which we discard old clothes for new ones. For us, death is an inference, not an experience. Our understanding is that all of us will die one day and we infer this when we see others die. To us, death means bodies getting immobilized and senses ceasing to function. There is no way for us to know about our own physical death or to experience it except for what we infer that is death is a certainty for us all. Our lives revolve around death and the fears associated with it. Lord Krishna says everything else is possible but death isn't a possibility it's just an illusion. When clothes are worn out they can no longer protect us from the elements we replace them with new ones. Similarly when our physical body is unable to perform its duties it is replaced. Next in the series is Destination arrives when Ahankar departs. Destination arrives 
when ahankar departs krishna says some see this atma as a marvel some speak of this atma as a marvel others hear of this atma as a marvel and even then none know this atma at all none refers to an observer who is using his indriyas senses to understand the observed atma lord krishna says that as long as there is a separation between these two the observer cannot comprehend the atma once a salt doll wanted to explore the ocean and it set about its journey through violent surface waves it enters the deeper parts of the ocean and slowly starts melting into it by the time it enters the deepest part it melts completely and becomes part of the ocean it can be said that it has become the ocean itself and the soul doll is no longer a separate entity observer the soul doll is the observed the ocean which is essentially ending the division and bringing the unity the soul doll is akin to our ahankar aham karta aham doer which always tries to keep us distinct and separate from reality with our possessions thoughts and actions essentially nobody wants to be nobody or ordinary but the journey is of unity and oneness and that happens only when ahankar ceases to be like the soul doll which means putting everything we own both things and thoughts at stake it is the journey where the destination arrives the moment we cease to be where i me my and mine remain disposable instruments than identities at the peaks of polarities of pleasure and pain we get a glimpse of nirahankar free of ahankar in these moments of realization we get the glimpse of what we are and that it doesn't matter what we know what we do and what we have next in the series is rose can never become a lotus rose can never become a lotus 
కృష్ణ ఎక్స్ప్లెయిన్స్ అబౌట్ స్వధర్మం ఓన్ నేచర్ అండ్ అడ్వైజెస్ అర్జున్ దాట్ యాజ్ ఎ క్షత్రియ హీ షుడ్ నాట్ హెజిటేట్ టు ఫైట్ యాజ్ ఇట్ ఈస్ హిస్ స్వధర్మం కృష్ణ కమన్సెస్ ద గీత విత్ దట్ which is eternal unmanifested and pervades all it is termed as atma for easy understanding then he talks about swadharmam which is one step before that and subsequently comes to karma the journey to realize the inner self can be divided into three stages the first stage is our present condition the second is realizing swadharmam and finally reaching the inner self in reality our present condition is a combination of our swadharmam experiences knowledge memories and assumptions gathered by our wavering mind swadharmam gets uncovered slowly when we free ourselves from our mental baggage kshatriya is a combination of kshat meaning hurt and traite meaning to give protection kshatriya is the one who gives protection from hurt the best example is of a mother who shields the baby in the womb and protects the children till they are on their own so she is the first kshatriya we come across in our lives she may be untrained and might not be experienced in child care but it comes naturally to her this trait is a glimpse of swadharmam once a rose was smitten by a majestic lotus flower and started nurturing the desire to be a lotus but there is no way that a rose can become a lotus the rose wanted to be different from what it is capable of and we have similar tendencies to try to be different from what we are resulting in the dispotency of the kind faced by arjun the rose can change its color size and shape but will still remain a rose which is its swadharmam next in the series is in harmony with swadharmam own nature in harmony with swadharmam own nature krishna explains swadharmam own nature and he tells arjun that such an unsought battle at kurukshetra 
opens the door to heaven and escaping from it would result in loss of swadharmam fame and would incur sin this advice to arjun on the battlefield needs to be viewed in the right context krishna is actually talking about harmony and synergy with one's swadharmam and not about a war krishna finds disharmony between what arjun is his thoughts utterances and actions he attempts to guide arjun towards harmonizing them in case of arjun the harmony is in fighting the battle as per his swadharmam and disharmony is in avoiding the battle in fact harmony rules creation where the smallest electrons protons and neutrons to biggest galaxies stars and planets are in harmony we enjoy our favorite music only when the radio and the radio station are in harmony in tune there is no greater example of harmony than the human body consisting of so many organs and chemicals whose harmonious functioning makes us what we are harmony refers to things and situations as they are not as we desire them to be in our frame of reference and value system since our childhood we have been taught that good deeds take us to heaven and bad deeds to hell after death krishna indicates that heaven and hell are not after life places but exist here and now depending on whether one's potentiality meets opportunity or not when we understand others swadharmam harmony comes in families workplaces and relationships which is heaven and the lack of it is hell we experience pleasure and pain depending on whether our desires are fulfilled or not when internal harmony with swadharmam is achieved it is heavenly irrespective of the outside world next in the series is shun all dharmas natures to unite with parmatma super soul shun all dharmas natures to unite with parmatma super soul krishna explains about swadharmam 
పరధర్మం అదర్స్ నేచర్ అండ్ ఫైనల్లీ అడ్వైజెస్ షన్నింగ్ ఆల్ ధర్మాస్ టు యునైట్ విత్ పరమాత్మ అర్జున్స్ డెస్పడెన్సీ అరోజ్ అవుట్ ఆఫ్ హిస్ ఈగోసెంట్రిక్ ఫేర్ ఆఫ్ డ్యామేజింగ్ హిజ్ రెప్యుటేషన్ ఇఫ్ వీ ఫాట్ ద వార్ అండ్ కిల్ హిస్ బ్రదర్ ఇన్ కృష్ణ టెల్స్ హిమ్ దాట్ he would damage his reputation even if he avoided battle as fighting is his swadharma the community would feel that arjuna was fearful of engaging in battle and for a kshatriya fearing battle is worse than death krishna further explains that swadharma even if it is faulty and devoid of merits is better than paradharmam and death in the path of swadharmam is better than paradharmam which is fraught with fear paradharmam is perceived as easy and better by our outward looking senses especially when we observe successful people whereas swadharmam requires discipline and hard work and needs to be slowly uncovered in us ordinarily our sense of self worth comes among other things from being favorably compared the prestigious place family we are born grades in the school good earnings in the job or profession and power fame that comes our way but for krishna everyone is unique and would blossom uniquely as per his swadharmam he says that while the unmanifest in all is the same each manifest entity is unique finally krishna advises us to shun all dharmas and take refuge in him for he would then liberate us from all sins this is akin to surrender in bhakti yoga and is one of the foundations of spirituality just as a river loses its swadharmam of meandering on becoming a part of the ocean we too should lose ahankar and swadharmam to unite with parmatma next in the series is balance is the key balance is the key verse 2.38 captures the entire essence of the geeta krishna tells arjun that he would incur no sin when he fights or performs any karma if he were to treat sukh pleasure and dukh pain 
లాభ్ గెయిన్ అండ్ నస్ట్ లాసెస్ అండ్ జయ విక్టరీ అండ్ అపజయ డిఫీట్ విత్ ఈక్వీపోస్ దిస్ వర్స్ సింప్లీ సేస్ దాట్ ఆల్ అవర్ కర్మాస్ ఆర్ మోటివేటెడ్ అండ్ దిస్ మోటివేషన్ మేక్స్ ది కర్మ ఇంప్యూర్ ఆర్ సిన్ఫుల్ బట్ వీ హార్డ్లీ నో ఆర్ డూ ఎనీ కర్మ వితౌట్ బీయింగ్ మోటివేటెడ్ బై ప్లెజర్ ప్రాఫిట్ ఆర్ విక్టరీ అండ్ టు అవాయిడ్ పెయిన్ లాస్ ఆర్ డిఫీట్ ఫ్రమ్ సాంఖ్య అండ్ కర్మయోగ పాయింట్ ఆఫ్ వ్యూ ఎనీ కర్మ కెన్ బీ డివైడెడ్ ఇన్ టు త్రీ పార్ట్స్ నేమ్లీ కర్త డూవర్ చేష్ట యాక్షన్ అండ్ కర్మఫల్ ఫ్రూట్స్ ఆఫ్ యాక్షన్ కృష్ణ డివైడెడ్ కర్మఫల్ ఇన్ టు ప్లెజర్ పెయిన్ ప్రాఫిట్ లాస్ అండ్ victory defeat krishna is indicating in this verse to separate these three to achieve equanimity one way is to drop kartapan feeling of doership and become a sakshi witness the realization is that in the grand drama called life we play a negligible role another way is to realize that we don't have any right over karma phal result of action as it is a combination of so many factors apart from our efforts the paths of dropping of kartapan are karma phal are interconnected and progress in one will automatically bring progress in another coming to chesta action it was there much before any of us arrived on the planet it can neither be owned nor its results can be controlled this verse can also be approached from the bhakti yoga point of view where bhav intent is everything krishna gives bhav priority over karma this internal surrender brings equanimity automatically depending on one's orientation one can choose their own path whatever may be the approach just by meditating on this verse one can attain an inner self free of ahankar next in the series is writing on water sand and stone writing on water sand and stone 
Krishna says that after elucidating about sankhya awareness he would now explain yoga or karma yoga the practice of which will free one from karma bandhan bondage of action while explaining sankhya yoga krishna makes arjun aware that he is that indestructible chaitanya consciousness which does not have death from this verse onwards krishna starts explaining the same through karma yoga thus karma bandhan and yoga need to be understood in this context yoga literally means union and is used in many contexts krishna mentions equanimity as yoga where attachment to success or failure is abandoned even in verse 2.38 the emphasis of krishna is to maintain equanimity towards pleasure and pain winning and losing and profit and loss karma bandhan refers to the impressions or scars both pleasant and painful left on us by the karmas we perform and the reactions we get from within and outside scientifically they can be called neural patterns these impressions drive our behavior from the unconscious level and hence krishna tells us to free ourselves from karma bandhan through yoga our natural tendency is to cling to impressions that give pleasure and profit we develop a simultaneous aversion to pain and loss the more deep seated these impressions more is the intensity of clinging and aversion the strength of these impressions can be metaphorically compared to writing on a stone sand and on water when the impression is on stone it is deeper and affects us for a much longer time less so with writing on sand writing on water on the other hand is erased instantaneously krishna is referring to impressions on water when he says that karma yoga frees us from karma bandhan and it makes us so subtle gentle that nothing can affect us or bother us next in the series is small efforts bring big gains in karma yoga small efforts bring big gains in karma yoga 
Krishna assures that even baby steps in the practice of karma yoga give results and this dharmam discipline protects us from great fears the point to be noted is that while sankhya is pure awareness karma yoga involves efforts this is a definitive assurance from lord krishna for the seekers who have just started out on their spiritual journey and who find the efforts daunting krishna understands our difficulty and assures us that even a small effort can produce wonderful results he motivates us to follow the path of nishkam karma unmotivated action and samatva equanimity one approach is to have shraddha trust on what krishna said and start practicing his teaching on karma yoga over a period of time when we practice viewing our experiences from the lens of karma yoga our realizations get deeper and deeper till we reach our inner self an alternative approach is to understand our fears and realize how the practice of karma yoga can remove them fear at its core is the result of the mismatch of our inner expectations and the real world karma yoga teaches us about the nishkam karma unmotivated action which helps reduce our expectations from our actions this reduces fear in us the property of water helps the moving ship to change its course even when a small internal force is applied on the trim tab attached to the rudder similarly a small effort in the right direction from within can bring about a large change due to the property of the universe which conspires to pave the path of karma yoga for us as babies we never gave up until we learned to walk and run no easy feat similarly repeated efforts made to master karma yoga will yield results that can be seen as a series of small but definite victories next in the series is coherent intellect leads to equanimity
కోహెరెంట్ ఇంటలెక్ట్ లీడ్స్ టు ఈక్వానిమిటీ కృష్ణా సేస్ ఇన్ కర్మయోగ ది బుద్ధి ఇంటలెక్ట్ ఈజ్ కోహెరెంట్ అండ్ ది ఇంటలెక్ట్ ఆఫ్ దోస్ హూ ఆర్ ఇర్రెజల్యూట్ ఈజ్ బహుశాఖ మినీ బ్రాంచ్డ్ కృష్ణా సేస్ దాట్ సమత్వ ఈక్వానిమిటీ ఈజ్ యోగా విచ్ ఈజ్ ది యూనియన్ ఆఫ్ టూ పోలారిటీస్ వీ ఫేస్ లైక్ ప్లెజర్ అండ్ పెయిన్ విన్నింగ్ అండ్ లూజింగ్ అండ్ ప్రాఫిట్ అండ్ లాస్ కర్మయోగా ఈజ్ ద పాత్ టు ట్రాన్సెండ్ దీస్ పోలారిటీస్ విచ్ అల్టిమేట్లీ రిజల్ట్స్ ఇన్ ఏ కోహిరెంట్ ఇంటలెక్ట్ on the other hand an imbalanced intellect robs us of our peace of mind our general presumption is that peace of mind automatically follows pleasure winning and profit but krishna says that a coherent intellect brought about by the practice of karma yoga gives us peace of mind by helping us transcend polarities an irresolute intellect looks at different situations outcomes and people differently at our workplace we apply one adstick to people below us and another one to those above us in the hierarchy children do not develop samatva when they see different adstics being applied while facing different situations in the family where we have one set of rules for loved ones and another set for others in our daily lives we are victims of shared myths like religion caste nationalities dogmas and the list goes on they were put into our mind at an impressionable stage and they continue to divide us we are impacted differently for two sides of each of these shared myths with irresolute intellect we have one level of justification to judge our mistakes and another set of parameters for judging those of others while seeking help and offering help we wear different masks krishna says that by following the path of karma yoga one attains a coherent intellect capable of samatva which is the foundation for peace of mind next in the series is 
transcend vedas to be with self transcend vedas to be with self once a group of friends were traveling and they had to cross a wide river they made a boat and crossed the river they then decided to carry the heavy boat with them for the rest of their journey thinking that it would be useful as a result their journey got derailed here the river is a pain polarity and the boat is an instrument to overcome the polarity likewise there are many instruments and rituals to give us relief from several pain polarities that we face in our daily lives the vedas literally means knowledge describe many rituals to give relief from temporary pain polarities and many of these rituals are available and are being practiced to this day it appears logical to turn to these rituals when we face difficulties in the areas of health business work and family krishna tells arjun not to get trapped by the words of the unwise who promise pleasure both in this life and the afterlife heaven by prescribing the outer meaning of the vedas he encourages him to transcend the polarities dvandvatit and gunas gunatit are nirgun to become atmavan established in self when one gets a big lake he doesn't need a small ditch and similarly for atmavan the vedas are like that small ditch just as wisdom lies in not encumbering ourselves with the burden of the boat on our onward journey krishna indicates about transcending the vedas after understanding the futility of efforts in gaining pleasure and power at the very beginning krishna tells arjun that sense perception brings polarities and to bear with them as they are anitya impermanent his emphasis is to transcend them and learn to witness these transients krishna is in favor of authentic joy than synthesizing happiness 
Next in the series is Focus on Karma Not on Karmphal Fruits of Action Focus on Karma Not Karmphal Fruits of Action In the iconic verse 2.47 of the Gita Krishna says that we have the right to do karma action but have no right over the karma fall fruits of action he further says that karma fall shouldn't be the motivating factor for any of our actions and also that in consequence we should not lean towards akarma in action this is the most quoted verse from the gita possibly because of various dimensions of life that it looks at the easiest approach to this verse is to internalize it and start implementing it without getting deeper into its logic or attempting an analysis of its various facets we should deepen our shraddha trust in krishna and start practicing it krishna indicates that shraddha can do miracles and bringing the literal meaning of this verse into practice can itself take us to the pinnacle of karma yoga the next progression will be to understand that focusing on karma fall of our actions will make us lose sight of the karma itself as a consequence be denied of the karma fall itself a poorly executed karma studying by a student can never give the desired karma fall exam results krishna emphasizes that we should only focus on doing our very best in any situation that we face thirdly karma happens in the present moment and karma fall is always in the future which is a combination of several possibilities krishna advises to always be in the present moment as we have a modicum of control only over the present but no control over the future or the past whatever may be the approach or understanding this verse has the potential to bring us samatva equanimity by helping us transcend the never ending waves of polarities next in the series is karma yoga as a way of life
कर्मयोगा एज अ वे ऑफ लाइफ कृष्णा सेज दैट वी हैव द राइट टू परफॉर्म आवर कर्मा एक्शन बट हैव नो राइट ओवर कर्मफल फ्रूट्स ऑफ एक्शन इफ वन ऑफ आवर लवड वंस रिक्वायर्ड सर्जरी वी वुड लुक फॉर ए कॉम्पिटेंट सर्जन विथ कैरेक्टर his competence would ensure success of the surgery and his character would ensure that he wouldn't undertake any unnecessary surgery in short we are scouting for a surgeon who is a karma yogi the two takeaways from this situation help us understand the verse better we expect all our service providers to be karma yogis and that they should give us the best results that we can hope for if we apply the same principle of samatva equanimity to ourselves we too should be karma yogis while providing service to other people in our daily life this verse says that we should do our best in everything that we do in work as well as in our family affairs krishna elsewhere in the gita assures us that small steps in the practice of karma yoga bring us closer to samatva which is a joy in itself when we are able to provide our best services to someone we are unlikely to meet again we are firmly on the path of becoming a karma yogi in fact when we are deeply involved in karma without bothering about karma phal we enter into state of kala atit transcending time where time is no more relevant in the above example when we wait outside the operation theater time appears to pass slowly on the other hand a karma yogi surgeon will lose track of time and in a sense time would have stopped for him krishna tells us to uproot the tree of sorrow whose roots are nothing but desires for fruits of action next in the series is karma phal fruits of action might not be what it seems karma phal fruits of action might not be what it seems we are usually not prescient enough to understand whether the karma phal fruits of action we currently desire will be good for us down the line 
as in a failed relationship at one moment the only karmphal a couple wanted was to be together but after some time they only want to separate in fact many regrets that people have today is on account of getting the karmphal which they desired desperately and which over time proved disastrous on the contrary going by general experience many feel that the best thing that happened to them was not getting the karmaphal coveted by them at some point of time in the past these life experiences gathered over a period of time will help us understand the iconic verse 2.47 in the gita where krishna says that we have the right to do karma action but have no rights over karma phal these experiences can be used to see this verse through the lens of polarity duality dvandva the world is polar and everything exists in its polar opposite the same applies to karma phal also in the first case a pleasure polarity of sukh victory profit turned into pain polarity of dukh defeat loss in due course of time in the second instance exactly the opposite thing happened krishna's emphasis throughout the gita is on transcending these everlasting polarities by being aware of them the desire for karma phal is one such polarity which should be transcended by not attaching ourselves to it the creator consciousness chaitanya creativity has the experience of running this universe for more than 13.5 billion years how can he falter when it comes to our karma phal certainly he will not we get what we need or deserve but not what we desire next in the series is wohi arjun wohi pand वही अर्जुन वही बाण वही अर्जुन वही बाण सेम अर्जुन सेम एरो इज ऑफन यूज टू डिस्क्राइब ए सिचुएशन वेन ए सक्सेसफुल कंपिटेंट पर्सन फेल्स टू परफॉर्म अर्जुन एज अ वॉरियर नेवर लॉस्ट ए वॉर ज्यूरिंग दी later part of his life he lost a minor battle in which he was supposed to save some family members 
from a group of bandits he explains the situation to his brother and says i don't know what happened i am the same arjun and these are the same arrows that had won the kurukshetra war but this time my arrows could neither find their target nor had power he explained that he had to run away and couldn't protect the family life experiences tell us that this can happen to any of us many a time talented sports persons just lose their form for some time an actor singer simply fails this is attributed to bhagya luck bad time etc and for sure nobody knows why there is hardly any scientific explanation for the same except for conjectures and surmises in this context while explaining about the relationship between karma and karma phal krishna says that daivam contribution will blessings of lord is one of the factors that contributes to the fulfillment of karma daivam is a kind of x factor and is unknown from a manifested physical world point of view that's the reason why krishna says that you have right over karma but not over karma phal techniques like palmistry astrology and sun signs are practiced but none of them are daivam similarly there is no scientific theory based on which daivam can be predicted krishna says we are nimitta matra a small cog in the grand design of almighty failure won't hurt us if we don't let success bring ahankar as both are influenced by daivam next in the series is action and reaction action and reaction krishna says that we have the right to do karma action but have no right over karma phal fruits of action this does not mean that we gravitate towards a karma which is inaction or mere reaction to circumstances though krishna uses the word akarma whose literal meaning is inaction 
the context suggests that it connotes reaction verse 2.47 talks of awareness and compassion awareness that karma and karma phala are separate and compassion towards others and ourselves krishna says that without performing karma our survival is impossible as maintenance of the physical body requires karma like eating etc the gunas sattva tamo and rajo constantly drive us towards karma hence there is hardly any place for a karma if we observe our tendencies while going through the news we all realize the number of reactions these activities karmas generate when we see hear or read about our shared myths and beliefs like religion caste nationality ideology etc be it supporting or opposing our beliefs it is the same with our interactions in the family and workplace where it's more of reaction in terms of words and deeds emanating from a judging mind such a reaction to situations and people snatch away the joy from our lives as we move away from action that arises out of awareness and compassion an intellect who is aware would be better able to understand the points of view of others and subsequently act in an empathetic manner krishna indicates that we should be aware about the akarma reaction generated in us in response to the karma of others simultaneously he advises us not to indulge in such karma that has the potential of generating a reaction in others practicing this would take us to the highest levels of maturity integrity and joy next in the series is repetition is the key to mastery repetition is the key to mastery karna and arjun were born to kunti but ended up fighting for the 
opposite sides karna was cursed because of which his knowledge and experience of warfare did not come to his rescue during the crucial fight with arjun he lost the war and was killed this situation applies to all of us as we are like karna we learn a lot during our lives gain knowledge and experience but at crucial moments we think and act on our instincts rather than out of awareness as the depth of our awareness is below the required threshold krishna is fully aware of this and repeatedly explains the reality and truth from different angles in the geeta so that the awareness sinks deeper and crosses the required threshold the event horizon the geeta emphasizes that we have an inner self and an outer self which are like two banks of a river usually we identify with the outer self consisting of the physical body our emotions thoughts and the world around us krishna tells us to realize the truth and identify with our inner self that pervades all beings is eternal and immutable the enlightened one concludes after reaching inner self the other bank that there is only one shore and the other shore is like the elusive snake in the rope snake analogy the instruments of awareness include transcending polarities dvandvatit transcending gunas gunatit equanimity samatva being witness sakshi dan karta and independence of karma action and karma phal fruits of action it's better to read the geeta especially chapter 2 several times than read a hundred books as each reading of the geeta brings about a different flavor and improved realization in us lets the awareness about self sink in systematically and lets joy flow out next in the series is dropping sense of doership
dropping sense of doership in the verse 2.48 krishna asks arjun to be steadfast in yoga yoga being equanimity while performing karma actions by renouncing the sangam union identify with polarities like success and failure in other words whatever we do would be harmonious when we stop identifying with polarities our daily life involves making a series of decisions and choices the ever judging mind keeps choosing from the available options and krishna categorizes them into pleasure pain profit loss win lose and success failure equanimity is to treat polarities as equal which is ordinarily referred to as transcending them when this realization sinks in the mind becomes powerless and achieves choiceless awareness it's the ability to be non-judgmental while we are still capable of judging but not being asleep intoxicated or sedated it's being alive in the present moment by just being an observer the practical route to attain equanimity while performing karma is to drop kartapan sense of doership and become a sakshi witness it's like performing a role in a play drama with full intensity commitment dedication efficiency and passion basically giving our best in the given circumstances similarly we ought to perform the roles given to us on the grand stage of life with full dedication it could be the role of a son daughter wife husband parent friend employee employer coworker supervisor and so on in a day we wear many hats of many different roles and while performing each role we should do our best but knowing fully well that our role is just a part of the play we can start practicing this for a couple of days in all roles given to us by life and see for ourselves the harmony this brings to our existence
Next in the series is Coherent Intellect for Internal Travel. Coherent Intellect for Internal Travel. Yoga means union of the outer self with the inner self. It can be attained through many paths such as karma, action, bhakti, sankhya, awareness, buddhi, intellect and so on. Depending on one's nature, one attains yoga through means suited to him. Krishna tells Arjun to seek refuge in buddhi as motivated karma is far inferior to buddhi yoga and miserable are they whose motive is to obtain the fruits of action. Earlier, Krishna said that in karma yoga, the buddhi is coherent and the intellect of those who are irresolute is bahushakha, many-branched. Once Buddhi attains coherence like a magnifying glass focuses light. It's capable of any intellectual journey. Any journey including the journey towards self involves direction and movement. Krishna's reference to Buddhi Yoga here is about the direction of the journey towards the inner self. Usually, we use coherent intellect to fulfill desires in the outer physical world. But, we should use it to pursue our journey towards the self. The first signs of using coherent intellect for internal journey are when we start questioning everything like our deep-rooted beliefs, emotions, assumptions, thoughts, actions and even the words we speak. Just as Science uses questioning to push the frontiers of knowledge. The same questioning leads us to uncover the supreme truth. Krishna further says that miserable are they whose motive is to obtain the fruits of action. We develop this tendency as the Fruits of action give us pleasure. But in a polar world, every pleasure soon turns into pain in the due course of time, which increases our misery. 
Krishna nowhere promises to shield us from the polarities but tells us to use buddhi to transcend them to be atmavan established in self it's neither knowing nor doing just being next in the series is facets of ankar facets of ankar krishna observes that arjun is overwhelmed by the feeling of aham karta aam doer ahamkar and it is responsible for his despondency krishna advises arjun to use coherent intellect buddhi to break ahankar and reach self ego is a small part of ahankar it's called arrogance when one goes through pleasure polarity of success win profit and depression unhappiness anger when one goes through pain polarity of failure defeat loss it is jealousy when others are going through pleasure polarity and sympathy when it is for pain polarity it is there when we are collecting physical positions and also exists when we shed them it drives doing sansar world and non doing living sanyas renunciation it is the cause of destruction as well as creation it is in knowledge as well as in ignorance in praise ahankar gets boosted and in criticism it suffers both states make us amenable to manipulations by others in short ahankar is behind every emotion in some sense or the other and these emotions influence our external behavior ahankar might appear to drive us to success and prosperity but it is like getting temporarily high on drugs i me my and mine are the four legs of ahankar 
and by avoid using these words in daily conversations and thoughts one can weaken ahankar to a large extent ahankar is born when we choose to identify with one polarity or the other and that's why krishna in 2.48 advised arjun to remain choiceless in the middle where there is no space for ahankar have food when hungry have warm clothes when cold fight when needed borrow feelings when needed without choosing to identify with any of them which is kind of a childlike next in the series is labeling vanishes in yoga labeling vanishes in yoga our life revolves around labeling our deeds actions decisions as well as those of others as good or bad krishna says that endowed with intellect one sheds both good and bad deeds which implies that labeling goes once we attain yoga equanimity middle our mind is full of filters lenses which are imprinted in us through conditioning by our parents family and friends during our formative years as well as by the law of the land we keep viewing things deeds through these filters and label them as good or bad in yoga these filters themselves are broken down making labeling disappear which is like destroying the roots instead of the shoots and accepting things as they are without trying to add our own color in the practical world this labeling makes us myopic and less open thereby denying us crucial information needed for taking decisions in management terms any deed done decision taken with insufficient or misinterpreted data is bound to fail remaining in the middle is like a debate 
where a student has to simultaneously argue in favor and against an issue it's like in law where we listen to both sides before deciding it's seeing self in all beings and all beings in self and finally see krishna everywhere it's the ability to detach ourselves quickly from the situation and appreciate both sides of the story when this faculty is developed we start to center ourselves in the middle like a dharma doll when someone attains even a momentary state of yoga balance equanimity then whatever karma work action flows out of them is harmonious to put spirituality in a statistical sense it is the percentage of time moments where one remains in balance and the journey is about increasing it to a 100% next in the series is balanced decision making balanced decision making we all make several decisions for ourselves our family and society based on a variety of factors krishna exhorts us to take this decision making to the next level when he says yogah karmasu kaushalam every action deed is harmonious in yoga of equanimity it's about dropping kartapan doership and ahankar to experience the harmony that flows out like the beauty and fragrance of a flower as the karta all our decisions are directed towards attaining pleasure and avoiding pain for ourselves and our families the next level of the journey is making balanced decisions especially when we are responsible for organizations and society however the karta still exists here krishna is speaking about the ultimate level where kartapan itself is dropped and whatever flows out of such person is harmonious the all pervading chaitanya becomes the 
karta for them this stage is an important part of the journey for all decision makers motivating the indian administrative service to adopt yoga karma sukaushalam as its motto it's about not identifying with emotions prejudices and memories as these blur our ability to absorb facts and result in poor decisions it's about coming back to the middle quickly when hit by polarities which mainly arise out of human interactions implementation of law or any decision making isn't always pleasant being in the middle helps us absorb both praise and criticism stoically unlimited potential exists in terms of intelligence energy and compassion for all those who firmly straddle the middle with access to such resources one is bound to outperform even from a manifested physical world point of view life on earth is possible because it stands in the middle neither too close nor too far from the sun thereby allowing life giving water to be in liquid form next in the series is illusionary bonds of birth and death illusionary bonds of birth and death krishna says that the wise use their balanced intellect and renounce the fruits of action to reach a state beyond polarities and get liberated from the bonds of birth and death for a long time humanity believed that the sun rotates around a stationary earth and only later was it discovered that it is the earth which is rotating around the sun finally our understanding aligned with the existential truth implying that the problem was due to our misinterpretation of the truth which arose out of the illusion brought about by the limitations of our senses same is the case with our illusion about birth and death krishna starts the gita by explaining about dehi the one who lives in the body atma which pervades all and is unborn eternal changeless and ancient he further says that atma changes physical bodies like we discard worn out garments 
to wear new ones when he says that with the balanced intellect one gets liberated from the bonds of birth it implies that one aligns themselves with the existential truth of dehi atma it's like coming out of the illusion of the sun rotating around the earth and aligning with the existential truth of earth rotating around the sun we tend to identify with the majority but the majority who believe that we have birth and death may not be able to guide us to the existential truth of dehi atma which only our own balanced intellect can krishna also mentions about the state beyond polarities usually this is described as heaven and sometimes as the supreme path paramapatham which is somewhere outside this verse indicates that this path is inside us it's the path of renouncing the fruits of action without renouncing the action deeds next in the series is what is ours and what is not what is ours and what is not krishna says that when we cross moha kalilam darkness of delusion using intellect we become indifferent to what's being heard or will be heard this implies that when we overcome moha the inputs brought by our senses will lose the power to influence us at will krishna chose hearing as the metaphor here as we are frequently influenced by the words of others both praise and criticism gossip and rumors moha like ahankar is difficult to describe in the absence of the right words to describe it basically it's our inability to distinguish between what is ours and what is not it's the sense of ownership in the present as well as the future of physical positions and feelings though in truth we are actually not the owners of the same while we try to cling to what is not ours we don't have a clue about what is truly ours dehi atma soul krishna calls this phenomenon kalilam or spiritual darkness krishna further says that when we overcome this darkness we attain nirvedam though nirvedam is described as indifference it is not passive or 
negative indifference which is born out of ignorance it's the indifference arising out of being aware alive and in the moment it's neither attachment nor detachment but beyond both its active acceptance without judgment and labeling in others oriented life we crave for acceptability admiration and praise from others for all our positions abilities achievements behavior looks etc we work hard throughout our lives to get these rewarding sensations until we are able to overcome moha through awareness once we dispel the darkness brought by moha through balanced and coherent intellect these sensory perceptions of the present moment or the future won't affect us anymore next in the series is non oscillating intellect non oscillating intellect in the normal course of our lives we get perplexed when we hear conflicting opinions on the same subject be it news philosophy others experiences and beliefs krishna says that we will attain yoga when intellect remains nischal non oscillating and study in samadhi established in self despite hearing various opinions the best metaphor for this verse is the tree with its visible upper portion and an invisible lower portion consisting of the root system the upper part gets disturbed to different degrees based on the strength of the winds while on the other hand the root system is not affected by them while the upper portion oscillates to external forces the inner part remains nischal in samadhi and keeps doing its duty of providing stability as well as nutrition the same is nothing but yoga for the tree where the external part oscillates and the internal one is nischal at an ignorant level we have a wavering intellect which automatically oscillates kampan to the external stimuli these oscillations are visible to the outer world as flat tempers and instant reactions this makes one's life miserable and also that of the members of the family and the workplace some move to the next level in due course of time as they face life's experiences 
and train themselves to suppress these oscillations so as to present a masked face in this state these oscillations are present inside but one learns to present a brave or pleasant face which may not last long in this verse krishna speaks of the ultimate state of nischal in samadhi which is nothing but the absence of these oscillations in other words it's a realization that these external oscillations are anitya transient and identify with the inner self which is nischal in samadhi next in the series is contentment with the self contentment with the self lord krishna reveals what is pure sankhya awareness from verse 2.11 to 2.53 which was completely new territory for arjun arjun wanted to know about sthita pragna one with coherent wisdom intellect who has attained samadhi established in self and how sthita pragna speaks sits and walks through clarification to arjun krishna sets the standards and benchmarks to help our comparison seeking mind which always looks for benchmarks against which to measure ourselves as we make progress in our spiritual journey krishna says that the sthita pragna cast of all desires of the mind and is contended in the atma self by atma when one is content with the self desires motivations automatically drop as desires drop all their actions doing become nishkam karma unmotivated action our basic desire is to be different than what we are we get bored too quickly this is captured in economics as satisfied desire no more motivates us basically everyone uses it as a tactic on everyone else making it difficult to attain sthita pragna for example consumer product companies introduce new products models regularly as they know that we want to have a different model every now and then on the other hand if you are not content with ourselves or at least believe that we are capable of how can we expect others including family 
to be content with us on the contrary how can we attain joy from others who are incapable of making themselves self contented dropping desires requires a deep seated awareness that every chase for pleasure is just like chasing a mirage and all our life experiences only confirm this basic truth the practical way to drop desires is to consciously reduce their intensity and see for ourselves the peace this brings to us next in the series is sthita pragna stoic is internal phenomenon sthita pragna stoic is internal phenomenon krishna says in response to arjun's query sthita pragna one with coherent intellect is contented with self interestingly krishna didn't respond to the second part of arjun's query as to how vestita pragna speaks sits and walks contented with self is purely an internal phenomenon and there's no way to measure it based on external behavior maybe in the given circumstances both an ignorant person and a sthita pragna might speak the same words might sit and walk in a similar manner this complicates our understanding of sthita pragna even more krishna's life is the best example of a sthita pragna's life he was separated from his parents at birth he was known as makhand thief his romance dance and flute are legendary but when he left vrindavan he never came back seeking romance he fought and killed when needed but avoided war at times and was hence known as ranchhordas who ran away from war he showed many miracles and was a friend of friends when it was time to marry he married and maintained families traced the samantak money valuable jewel to ward off false acquisitions of theft and when it was time to give geeta gyan he gave it he died like any ordinary person firstly there is no external pattern to his life but the internal pattern 
is living moment by moment secondly it's a life of joy and celebration in spite of difficult situations which were anitya transient for him thirdly as mentioned in 2.47 for him contented with self doesn't mean inaction but its karma deed sans karta doer and karma phal fruits of action basically it's living in the present moment without any burden of the past or any expectations from the future the power is in the present moment and everything including planning and execution happen in the present next in the series is rag attachment bhai fear and krodh anger rag attachment bhai fear and krodh anger krishna says that sthit pragna is one who is neither excited by sukh pleasure nor agitated by dukh pain is free from rag attachment bhai fear and krodh anger this is an extension of verse 2.38 where krishna says to treat sukh pleasure and dukh pain lab gain and nast loss and jaya victory and apajaya defeat with equipose all of us seek sukh but dukh invariably comes to our lives as both of them exist in pairs of dwandva polar this is like bait to fish where the hook is hidden behind the bait on the other hand the struggle always brings rewards sthit pragna is one who transcends these polarities and attains dvandvatit it's a pure awareness that when we seek one the other is bound to follow maybe in a different shape and after a lapse of time when we get sukh with our planning ahankar gets elated which is nothing but excitement however when it turns to dukh ahankar gets hurt which is nothing but hesitation
and growth implying that it's essentially a game of ankar sthita pragna realizes the same and sheds ankar languages rarely have words to describe a state beyond polarities and when krishna says sthita pragna is free from rag attachment it doesn't mean that sthita pragna gravitates towards detachment it's a state beyond both sthita pragna is free from bhai and krodh but it doesn't mean that they suppress them they don't leave any space in themselves to let bhai and krodh enter and stay either temporarily or permanently bhai and krodh are projections of the future or the past and the present as such there is no place for either of them in the present moment when krishna says that sthita pragna is free from bhai and krodh it implies that they remain in the present moment next in the series is aversion is also an attachment aversion is also an attachment we tend to assign one of the three labels to a situation a person or an outcome of a deed good bad or no label krishna refers to this third state and says that a wise person is one who isn't filled with joy when coming across good nor does he hate bad and is always without attachment this implies that the sthita pragna one with coherent intellect drops labeling and takes facts as facts without any extrapolation which is the birthplace for polarities of pain and pleasure this verse is tough as it runs contrary to our tendency of instantaneously labeling facts as good or bad even in moral and social contexts when one encounters a situation or person labeled as bad dislike aversion and hatred follows automatically on the other hand the sthita pragna does not label it 
and hence the question of hating does not arise for them thus similarly when coming across good the sthita pragna doesn't get overjoyed for example all of us go through the natural process of aging with time where beauty charm and energy are lost these are mere natural facts but if we label them as unpleasant or bad then this labeling would bring us dukkha sorrow same is the case with injury or illness where labeling of these as evil brings sorrow certainly it's neither denial nor extrapolation sthita pragna handles situations like a surgeon who is expected to perform surgery based on pure facts brought out during the investigation it's like a superconductor that does its best to let all electricity pass freely we tend to either cling or averse to situations people or deeds it's easy to understand clinging as attachment but aversion is also a kind of attachment however to hatred when krishna says that sthita pragna is without attachment he means that they drop both clinging and aversion next in the series is wisdom is to know when to withdraw wisdom is to know when to withdraw krishna says that wisdom gets established when one completely withdraws their indriyas senses from sense objects like the tortoise withdrawing its limbs krishna lays emphasis on indriyas as they are the gateways between our inner self and outer world he advises that we should withdraw our indriyas when we see ourselves getting attached to sense objects like the metaphorical tortoise withdrawing its limbs when faced with danger each sense has two parts one is the sense instrument like an eyeball and the second that portion of the brain controller which controls this eyeball sensory interactions happen at two levels one is between the ever changing outer world of sense objects and the 
सेंस्ड इंस्ट्रूमेंट आईबॉल विच इज प्योरली ऑटोमेटिक वेर फोटॉन्स रीच द आईबॉल एंड इंटरैक्ट एज पर देयर फिजिकल प्रॉपर्टीज दी सेकेंड इज बिटवीन दी आईबॉल एंड इट्स कंट्रोलर the desire to see is the reasons for the evolution of the eye and that desire is still present in the controller part of the sense this is known as motivated perception where we see what we want to see and hear what we want to hear in a game of cricket we tend to notice more decisions favoring the opposition and conclude that the umpire is unfair when krishna refers to indriya he is speaking about the controller part which generates the desire to sense that's why even when we shut our senses physically the mind uses its power of imagination to keep our desires alive the mind being the combination of all these controllers krishna is guiding us through the scientific verse to separate the controller from the physical part of the senses so that we attain ultimate freedom moksha from the ever exciting or depressing external situations wisdom is to know when to withdraw from a situation next in the series is dropping of longing for sense objects dropping of longing for sense objects krishna says sense objects fall away from the obstinate person but not ras longing and longing ceases only when one realizes the supreme indriyas have a physical instrument and a controller the mind is a combination of controllers of all sense organs krishna advises us to focus on the controller which sustains the longing krishna uses the word ras whose literal meaning is juice when a ripened fruit is cut ras is not visible unless it is squeezed same is the case with butter in milk ras is the intrinsic longing that exists in indriyas at an ignorant level indriyas are attached to the sense objects 
and keep swinging between polarities of pain and pleasure in the next stage the sense objects like sweets fall away due to external circumstances like lack of money or doctor's advice but the longing for sweets remains external circumstances may include morality fear of god la reputation aging conditioning etc krishna is indicating about the ultimate stage where longing itself goes krishna gives a practical tip in shrimad bhagavatam where he compares indriyas with wild horses which are brought under control by a trainer who runs along with them for some time when he fully understands them he starts riding them as per his wishes two issues to be noted here are that the trainer cannot control horses in one go as they will overpower him similarly we can't just start controlling indriyas we need to go as per their tunes for some time till we understand them and slowly bring them under control secondly we need to be in a state of constant awareness that we need to control indriyas even when under their influence awareness and longing cannot simultaneously exist knowingly we can't be gripped by longing as it happens only in ignorance next in the series is automaticity of indriyas senses automaticity of indriyas senses krishna cautions arjun that turbulent indriyas senses are capable of forcefully carrying away the mind of even an aspiring wise person this verse is about the automaticity of indriyas to stimulus the best example is of a smoker who is quite aware of the pitfalls of smoking but finds it extremely difficult to quit it and laments that by the time he or she realizes the cigarette is already lit anyone who is involved in a road rage or a crime watches that it happened in the heat of the moment and not consciously 
the same is the case with someone who speaks harsh words at the workplace or in the family and keeps regretting them as they weren't intended in the first place these instances imply that indriyas take over us and bond us in karma bandhan bondage during our formative years free neurons in the brain form connections called hardwiring to take care of automatic activities like walking as it saves a lot of energy of the brain the same is the case with skills and habits which we acquire during the later part of life we expend a lot of energy in this process and thus hardwiring which is otherwise essential becomes so powerful that it's extremely difficult to overcome habits based on hardwiring neuroscience says that hardwiring is impossible to break except by making a new one or overriding the existing one krishna is referring to this phenomenon when he says that the indriyas are so powerful that they can forcibly take away the mind of even a wise person krishna says that one should surrender to the almighty which is a higher form of existence or power to overcome the automaticity of indriyas the key is not to fight but surrender with awareness which is the source of required strength next in the series is vicious and virtuous cycles vicious and virtuous cycles vicious and virtuous cycles are a sequence of events where one event leads to another and results in either disaster or joy respectively if expenses are more than income leading to borrowing and debt trap it's a vicious cycle if expenses are less than income resulting in savings and wealth creation it's a virtuous cycle krishna refers to these cycles in verses 2.62 to 2.64 krishna says a person musing on objects develops an attachment to them from attachment arises desire from non fulfillment of desire arises anger from anger arises delusion 
from delusion confusion of memory from confusion of memory loss of intellect and from loss of intellect the individual perishes this is the vicious cycle of downfall on the other hand krishna says that when one is free of rag fondness dvesh hatred and has his indriyas senses under control one attains peace tranquility even while moving among sense objects this is nothing but a virtuous cycle of peace and joy all of us move among the sense objects in everyday life how we treat these sense objects sets the direction of our travel in case of a virtuous cycle one frees oneself from rag and dvesh towards the sense objects whereas in a vicious cycle one develops an attachment to rag or dvesh it's easier to start by dropping dvesh with the realization that it's a kind of poison that ultimately damages us when it's dropped it's polar opposite rag also gets dropped leading to unconditional love like a flower radiating beauty and fragrance the absence of rag and dvesh is a common thread in the gita and krishna advises us to see ourselves in all beings all beings in ourselves and finally see krishna everywhere this oneness would help us drop dvesh ultimately making us joyful next in the series is cause and effect in spirituality cause and effect in spirituality krishna says that the intellect of the contented is steady and all their dukh sorrows are destroyed this runs contrary to our understanding that we become contented once our desires are fulfilled and we attain sukh and destroy dukh but krishna tells us to first to be contented and the rest automatically follows for example we conclude that we are not healthy if we have symptoms like fever aches etc the suppression of these symptoms won't make us healthy unless the underlying condition is treated on the other hand a nutritious diet good sleep fitness regime etc provide us with 
good health similarly bhai fear krodh anger and dvesh hatred which are a part of dukh are indications of lack of contentment and their suppression won't automatically make us contented many quick fixes have been preached and practiced to suppress these indications to put up acceptable behavior but this accumulated suppression comes back with greater vigor later for example suppressed anger against the boss is often vented against subordinates or family members the path for contentment is to be aware of the polar nature of the world the awareness about karma action without expectation of karma fall fruits of action and awareness that we are not the karta doer but the sakshi witness to our actions thoughts and feelings the unmanifested part of us dehi atma soul is always contented and the sorrows are minor aberrations that arise out of misplaced identification with manifested like the illusionary snake in the rope snake analogy krishna elsewhere tells us to be atmavan contented with self and atmaraman union with self to indicate this identification which makes us free of sorrow it's neither suppression nor expression of dukkha but being able to witness and transcend them next in the series is centered in the middle centered in the middle krishna says that ayukta imbalanced lacks both buddhi intellect and bhav emotions and as a result he will not get shanti and there is no joy for the peaceless krishna laid emphasis on equanimity and this verse highlights the same from a different angle till one learns to center oneself in the middle one is likely to anchor oneself at one of the other centers like friends enemy work spouse children money pleasure power possessions etc and this anchoring is the hallmark of the ayukta if someone is centered on money all his plans 
and actions revolve around maximizing wealth at the cost of all other things like relationships health etc one doesn't hesitate to deceive cheat or do anything to attain pleasure if one is pleasure oriented a spouse oriented person evaluates the entire world as to how their spouse is treated one can also be enemy centered thinking about how to damage his enemies even if it damages themselves when we are tied to others our peace and tranquility is in their hands making us dependent that's why krishna insists on equanimity where we are centered in the middle which is the ultimate freedom moksha krishna uses the word bhav which we try to equate with our emotions any person or thing when tied to me invokes deeper emotions otherwise they may not even touch our heart this implies that all our emotions are subjective but krishna is referring to bhav that arises out of equanimity which is the same whether it involves me or not our surroundings can be unpleasant chaotic and disturbing but they can't affect who attains inner harmony by being in the middle and krishna refers to this as attaining shanti which ultimately brings us joy next in the series is desires and four stages of life desires and four stages of life krishna says that the mind which follows roving senses carries away once intellect as the wind carries away the boat on the water the wind is a metaphor for our desires which drives our mind and senses making intellect boat unstable in the context of desires life is divided into four stages namely brahmacharya bachelor grahastha householder vanaprastha facing forest and sanyasa renunciation where division isn't just on age but also on the intensity of living the first stage includes growing up gathering theoretical knowledge and physical strength along with some basic skills in the second stage 
its family work refining skills gathering possessions and memories exposure to various facets of life and gaining life experiences through pursuing passions and desires either with success or failure through this process one attains a cocktail of knowledge skill and life experiences which is the breeding ground for awareness transition to the third stage isn't automatic as per legend in the mahabharat king ayati took a thousand years for this transition as he could not live his luxuries interestingly these extra years came at the cost of his son in these circumstances this verse helps us to reflect upon and make the transition to the third stage in the third stage awareness lets us slowly drop desires as one realizes that the desires of the past look silly are irrelevant now how our assumptions were erroneous how both fulfilled and unfulfilled desires can have the same disastrous consequences with this realization one is ready for the final stage to become a sanyasi which is dropping of ahankar kartapan sense of doership to be a sakshi witness in the final stage it's the transition from knowing through senses of the first stage to being independent of senses krishna calls this wisdom is established when all senses are restrained from sense objects next in the series is physically awake and spiritually asleep physically awake and spiritually asleep krishna says that which is night to all beings is wakefulness for the self mastered that in which beings are awake is night to the divinely perceptive sage this verse brings out metaphorically the idea of being physically awake but spiritually asleep and vice versa it also offers literal interpretations there are two possibilities of living one where we are dependent on indriyas senses for our pleasures and the other is where 
we are independent of indriyas and they remain under our control for those in the first category the second way of living would be an unknown world and darkness night is the metaphor for this ignorance secondly while we use one sense instrument our attention is elsewhere implying that it's used mechanically but not with awareness for example while having food our attention is very often not on eating it might be on some screen a newspaper or a phone conversation as we believe in the elusive idea of multitasking that's why it said that spirituality is as simple as eating while we eat praying while we pray this verse implies that it's day for someone who is in the present moment and darkness otherwise the third interpretation is the literal one when we sleep a portion of us is still awake like a portion of a sleeping mother is always awake for the baby sleeping next to her just as when many people are sleeping in a dormitory the person whose name is called out gets up these imply that we are all equally bestowed with this ability to keep a part of us awake all the time this verse indicates that we should increase that portion of us which is aware of all of our actions to the extent that one is even able to witness one's sleep next in the series is despondency to enlightenment despondency to enlightenment krishna says that one attains peace when they remain unmoved by desires like an ocean that is unmoved by the waters entering it he further says that nirmama sans i and nirahankar sans am doer is the path for peace to reach the destination of the eternal state none are deluded after attaining it this eternal state is called moksha which is ultimate freedom joy and compassion krishna gives the example of the ocean to compare this eternal state and rivers being stimulations constantly received by senses like an ocean one remains stable and steady after attaining the eternal state even if temptations and desires keep entering them 
secondly when rivers meet the ocean they lose their existence similarly when desires enter a person in the eternal state they lose their existence thirdly if one thing makes us miserable it's the reaction a karma generated in us by the stimulations of the external world and our inability to control it hence the indication is that like the ocean we too should learn to ignore such transient stimulations our understanding is that every karma has a karta doer and karma phal fruits of action earlier krishna gave us the path of separating karma and karma phal now he advises us to drop i and ahankar aham karta the sense of doership so that karta and karma are separated there is no point of return once this eternal state of peace is achieved and any karma remains just one of the billion actions of this ever active universe in the gita the eternal state comes after vishad despondency through sankhya awareness as it is the norm that extreme pain has the potential and capability to bring moksha when used positively like krishna did with arjun and the present covid-19 is no exception either next in the series is certainty for uncertain mind